All right, amen, amen. I know, uh, I know this is Thanksgiving week. Uh, we're, well, we had Thanksgiving on Thursday. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I know we did. We had more food. I mean, my gosh, I got to go on a pre-Christmas diet, guys. I won't be able to get my pants. I'll just be up here in sweatpants the rest of the year. I mean, that's the way it is. I fried a turkey, absolutely. Um, I love the fried turkey. Uh, Al was telling me he smoked turkey. He said it was the best thing he ever had. You know, I'm pretty sure that if you asked everybody, they would have a different preference for what they want, you know, in a turkey. But I'm going to tell you what, it was amazing. Got to see all the family. It was, it was great. Um, you know, one of the things that I love about Thanksgiving and we're moving out of Thanksgiving into the Christmas season is that, you know, it's just kind of sets the tone for the rest of the year. You know, people are in a much more giving mood. And I, I, I know that we mentioned this, um, you know, before we got on live stream. So I wanted to say this to the live stream people, but we had over $2,500 given to the man of food boxes. That means that 208 people are going to get to eat meals between now and Christmas. And that's because of the people who gave. It's amazing when we come together as a body of believers and do good stuff, right? I mean, God has given us an abundance and we give back to the communities. We give back to our families. We give back to the people that are around us that are in need. But you know, one of the things that I love about this is that, you know, we also, we have people who take from us too. We had a sign that got, they got completely and totally you know, they came, took it away from us. I guess maybe they needed it better than we did. But, you know, we had such a blessing this week. Uh, Al, Al Cost, he actually made us a sign. My mom designed the sign. Uh, so if you're, you know, if you're watching on the live stream, you know, please drive all the way down here to Alabaster and look <laughs> at our sign and take pictures if you want to and selfies. And I, we would love for you to do that. But, you know, I am so blessed. I am so blessed, not just because of the sign and not just because I ate a lot during Thanksgiving, but you know, I'm so blessed because love came to earth. We're going to talk for the next few weeks about love coming to earth. And I love this teaching that I'm about to do. I've done it in many different ways. It's, it's, I've done it as just like a, a touch point, but I've also done it like full blown before. Uh, pretty much when I was with Life of Faith, I did this. But I want everybody to understand that when Jesus came to this earth, he came for a purpose. And that purpose is sitting in all these seats. It's the guy standing on stage. It's all these people out here that are running around. It didn't matter what you did last night. It didn't matter what they did five minutes ago. Guess what? Jesus came to bring love to earth. And you know what? I, I named this Love Came to Earth the war is over. And you may be going, what war? What was happening? And you know, one of the things that most people don't understand is that the world is warring against God every single day. 
You can go turn on the TV and they'll take Christmas. Like no one says Merry Christmas anymore. It's Happy Holidays. And the thing is, is that I understand that there's like Hanukkah that's right around here and there's some other things that are going on. And I, I mean, I work with people who are from India. I work, you know, uh, at the power company with all kinds of belief systems that are around. But do you know that when we start talking about God, well, wait a minute. I don't know if I can say that out loud. In fact, I actually, I actually have found that people will say the, the universe gave me this or the, or They'll have some sort of outside reckoning that they try to make into God. But people are afraid to say his name. They're really afraid to say Jesus unless they're cussing. I'm just telling you. You go and watch TV. You go and talk to people in society that are not churchgoers. And they are staying away from God. And you know what is so funny is the fact that God himself did a bunch of stuff in order to do away with the war. Do you know that, you know, it's, it's a little bit like this. Harper Grace is what, four years old, right? She's four years old. So if she comes up to me and she punches me in the belly, do you think that's going to hurt? No. But do you know that do you know that God, I can take as many swipes as I want to at God. I'm never going to hit him. Do you know that God is so powerful and he's so outside of our realm that we're like an ant to him? Do you know that if God wanted to wage war on us, it would be nothing. It would be we're here and then we're gone. That fast. You know that man, ever since the fall of Adam, has been trying to wage war against God. And God, in his mercifulness, has said, Hey, I'm not going to fight this fight. Because if I do, what's going to happen? I got to do away with you. In fact... I want you to understand in this Christmas time that Jesus came for a couple of reasons. And we're going to start at the beginning. You know, Adam and Eve, if everybody was to go and look up in Genesis 1 uh, all the way through Genesis chapter 3, you find out that Adam and Eve was given the most beautiful place on earth. They were given the, the best They were over all of the animals. They had everything. And you know what happened? Is that Satan come along and Satan said one thing that changed man forever. In fact, it's even changing us. And that's the problem. Is that if we don't continuously renew our mind with the word of God, then this one thing that Satan said affects even me it affects even you the 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 most staunch believers you know what that word is did god say 
You know, God walked up to Eve and said, hey, eat of this fruit. And she said, no, if I eat of the fruit, I will die. And he said, did God say that? See, what we have to understand is that God doesn't fight with a bunch of soldiers and he comes out with a bunch of guns and he's got his tanks and his military. God's word is like a two-edged sword. And it goes out and it can cut asunder between what is truth and what is a lie. You know, one of the things that I've noticed in a lot of my life in working with people and seeing people all throughout my my career is that people have a belief system that is killing them. It's killing their families. It's killing their their jobs, it's killing every piece of their lives. And it's because they walk around going, I don't know what to believe. When you start talking to them about God, the first thing that the world will do is they'll go, well, that's not the way I see it. You're not interpreting it the way that I interpret it. You know, the word's not up for interpretation. It says what it says. Now, we've gotten a lot more in. I I didn't even realize there was all these different idealisms about predestination. I mean, I heard about predestination. I'd never met somebody who was like staunch with predestination. We've met a ton of people that are staunch with this belief of predestination now because of where my wife works. Do you know that the war that has been waged has been a war of words. And it's been a war of belief systems. And when Adam and Eve was in the garden, living it, seeing God every day, he came and walked with them in the cool of the evening. And then all of a sudden, a serpent walks up and tells Eve, did God say? And you know what happened? Eve said, I don't know. And so they ate of the fruit. You know that the moment that they ate of the fruit, in fact, you can go back and read it in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 where they go through this whole process. God comes back to them and says, what did you do? Where are you? You know, this is one of those those times where I'm going to teach this and I want us to think about the war that is being waged right now in the hearts, in your heart, in your family's heart. Because there are unbelieving aspects of life that people are trying to come and condemn you in certain areas of your life. See, before Jesus, you had this idealism about you know, we had to follow God or we were going to be cursed. Do you know that when I look at how Jesus came to this earth, that God set it in motion before he actually, before the earth even deteriorated. He actually said that the seed of the woman will bruise your, well, the seed of the woman will will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. 
talking about Jesus. You know, God already had the plan in motion in order to make sure that each and every one of us was able to have fellowship with Him again. But just like with this, once, the, once Adam and Eve was kicked out of Eden, once Adam and Eve no longer was in the best place, the world started deteriorating. We went from probably the most lush place that you've ever seen. There was no tornadoes. There was no hurricanes. You know, in a completely tropical environment where you don't have multiple seasons and everything, you don't have things like the trade winds. You don't have all this other stuff. When there was water below and water above, which is what the Bible said, it kept the sun from coming in and burning our skin, keeping skin cancer away from us. Do you know that we got worse over time. We've not gotten better. You know, I laugh when people talk about evolution. Oh, well, you know, we evolve and we just keep getting better. There is no evidence of that. Look at all the death and devastation and, and absolute craziness that is going on. You know, chaos does not create order. Anybody that tells you that, they're lying to you. Because it doesn't happen. I can go show you place after place. There's a town up in Illinois that I watched a YouTube video on. And it was built before the Civil War. And you know, it kept having, because of where it was located, it was, it was right, between where the, uh, right between where Mississippi River is and like Missouri. And it was a great trading place. But you know that after the Civil War, when everything started changing, that there was no more trade for this place. There are homes after homes after homes that have been just abandoned. Do you know what happens to a home after it's abandoned? Falls apart. Well, I thought things evolved. I thought things got better over time. No. Things do not get better over time. Do you know that Adam and Eve started a time clock where there was devastation that continued over and over and over? You know, after the flood, after Moses, you know, I'm sorry, after Noah and the flood, we started having seasons that was much different. We started having things that happened in places and things like global climate change. Do you know that everything that we live in today has a, has a consequence that came from Adam and Eve? See, the sin of Adam and Eve was embedded into every single thing that we did. We needed a Savior. We needed somebody to come along and to change the, change the direction and the narrative of where Adam and Eve had taken us, where did God say? Cain and Abel. Well, I mean, you have murder and deceit. You know, if, if me and you were standing there, you know, me and Matt, we're cousins, so... You know, if me and Matt were standing side by side and all of a sudden I gave something to his mother and his mother goes, well, 
I really appreciate that. And Matt was a jealous person. He'd go, well, Dusty, I just don't like you anymore because, you, you know, you made my mom say, you know, she was happy about what you gave. Well, that's exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. I mean, with uh, Cain and Abel. God didn't come along and say, you're cursed. All God said was, hey, I liked his sacrifice better. You know what? That caused deceit. It caused strife. Do you know that in our own lives, we need to look at things like, you know, am I treating people differently because of the gifts that they give? Or because of the compliments that I get? You know that we need to we need to get out of this idealism about the, the Me Too movement where we can't say nothing nice to a female, where we can't say nothing nice to people. We're creating a society, or it's already been created, but the society is continuing to get into deceit, anger, strife, and murder because we can't have a relationship. We're putting up too many divisions and too many walls. See, that's what happened with Cain and Abel. Is that the moment God said, hey, I like your sacrifice better than yours. Then anger and strife and deceit came into the world. And then murder came after that. Do you know that in Genesis chapter 6... God repented of even making man because from the fall until then there was evil in men's hearts continually. Genesis 6, 5 through 8, and it said, God saw the wickedness of men and it was great in the earth and, they, and that every imagination and thought in this heart was only evil continually. And, and God repented that he'd even made man. And it grieved him in his heart. You know what that means? It, it made him question the belief of whether making man was good. Maybe this is too much. Can I get some amens? Can we get a little bit? I know everybody's like, "Woo!" I, I just see it on your face. You're like, man, this is real hard for Christmas, you know, for a Christmas sermon. But I want you to understand something that God himself saw that man was continually doing evil things and it made him hurt. Man was waging war on God's heart. You know that it said here in verse 8, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Do you know that there was only one man didn't even talk about his kids. It didn't talk about anything. The only man that God was willing to save was one because he was the only one that somewhat did not have evil in his heart continually. Do you know that in our lives, when we wage war against God, we usually ask why? You know, why is one of the worst words that we can ever use to God? Why God? Why God? See, most of the time we don't understand that God didn't do this to us. Adam did this to us. 
And he started a perpetual war of words and belief systems that even to this day, and and even in Christian people's hearts, that the war is being waged about, is God good to me? Does God love me? You know, there's plenty of people that I talk to that that they, they, they look at the, the totality of their life and they're trying to find and make sense of what's happened. And most of the time, they don't want to do, why did I do this? They go, God, why did you do this? I've never understood that. You know that if God himself could make us the best people on the planet, we would all look like Jesus. And if we all look like Jesus, we would have everything that we needed. But see, God was constantly dealing with man from the perspective of their heart is hardened towards him. That's one of the reasons why he created the law. And he went and cut covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. He goes and he, he creates uh, this covenant. After 400 years, they all go into captivity. They come out. They're in Sinai. And Moses goes up on the mountain and he gets the Ten Commandments. He also gets the law of God, which is two different things, by the way. The law of God is not the Ten Commandments. So I, I just felt like I needed to say that. The Ten Commandments is really just how we should treat each other. It's how we should treat God. The law was specific to Israel. It was just like going and creating a constitution. It was just like going and creating the constitution here in the state of Alabama. And then each city creates laws for how we drive, how we, you know, what signs we can put up, things of that nature. But do you know that most of the time people want to take those laws and they want to apply them differently than the commandments? See, everybody loves a pound of flesh. I mean, how many people, you know, last night we were watching the football game. I was pretty fired up sometimes, okay? I mean, they can tell you, I, if I'm watching an Alabama football game and they're not blocking like I think they should be, then I'm, I'm on them, right? And I'm like, get his butt out of the game. Well, everybody does the exact same thing for everything. Well, I'm looking for my pound of flesh. Oh, I want him punished so I can see it. Get him out of here. I was so upset at Saban that, uh, you know, somebody went and cut his face last night. I don't even know if y'all saw that or not, but but he was bleeding from his face because somebody had hit him with a shoulder pad. But do you know that in everything that we have had, God created laws for particular purposes. He created laws for Israel. Do you notice that Israel had their laws, but the Gentiles did not? God didn't even deal with the Gentiles the same way. Do y'all, want, do y'all know why? It's because the Gentiles didn't create Jesus. The bloodline of Jesus did not come out of the, the Nordic people or the Chinese people or, or any of them. They came out of Israel. And see, in order to have 
order, because chaos does not create order. What we had was Jesus had to come through a line of people who could at least get him there. Where they would be at least moral enough to where they could at least have a Jesus, to where we could have a Christ, where we could have the Messiah. And see, that was the reason why Deuteronomy 28, we got the blessings and the curses. Do you know that the blessings and the curses was for Israel? You know, Israel itself was at one point, if you go back and read Jeremiah, Jeremiah 2, uh, chapter 2 through chapter 4, <coughs> is God divorcing Israel. In fact, go read it. I, I, I challenge you all this week to go read Jeremiah chapter 2. Uh, Jeremiah was the crying prophet, right? So what had happened was Jeremiah, that, you know, Israel had been disobeying, disobeying, disobeying. And when Deuteronomy chapter 28 said, hey, you are no longer obeying me, Israel, the curse is coming along. Jeremiah comes back and he talks to the Lord and the Lord says to him, Would, what happens to a, a woman who goes and has an adulterous affair on a man? And he goes through and he talks about how that they would separate. And so at the end of Jeremiah, within 20 years, the Babylonian occupation comes in. And they're in captivity for the Babylonian occupation for 100 years. Do you know that in that time frame, there were four prophets that came along trying to help Israel out. But they no longer had the same covenant after that. Do you know that after the occupation, God did not even deal with them based upon the covenant anymore? Because they had already failed so badly that the only thing would have been is to grind them into dirt. <clears throat> so what ended up happening was is that for the next... 600 years or the next 400 years God puts them into this time of of just being quiet I'm not going to bless you I'm not going to curse you I'm just going to let you be he made them just like the Gentiles in fact one of the things is is Solomon he brought in all this stuff you know, Solomon went out and he started being a diplomat and he was started bringing in all of these idols. You know, and for 600 years, Israel went through the worst ups and downs because of Solomon. Do you know that, that the, Israel had this occupation by, by Babylon for, for about 96 years is what they believe. And then Nehemiah came back and he rebuilt the walls and they started having a city again. And then after that, God pretty much stopped constantly talking to Israel. Malachi actually is one of the last books before you get to, to John the Baptist. And the reason for that is because Malachi was telling them what was about to happen. Telling them, hey, there's going to be a time here where there's not going to be very much more 
of me talking to you and that the Messiah is going to come. So roughly about 164 years before Jesus, the Maccabees, because they had been beat up, they'd been tore down, they go and they sign a treaty with Rome. Shocker, Rome didn't come in and take over. They gave, they gave Israel over to Rome. The Maccabees went and signed a covenant treaty with Rome. Rome was supposed to be there because they were given that by Israel. So we get to Jesus' time. And we have over a thousand years of Israel waging war on God. Every single time something would happen, there would be there would be a God would send a prophet and say, Don't do it anymore. And they would come back and they would they would do it again. And it happened over and over and over again. Do you know what? God said, Hey, I'm gonna put my final treaty out there. I'm going to make my final stand. I'm going to make my final offer back to the world. And that offer came in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Now this, this right here, when I'd heard this years ago, this right here just, it leapt inside of me. I had such a, an awesome revelation of who Jesus was and, and what God had done. It just... It hit me in such a way, and I'm hoping it hits you in this way too. Because in Luke chapter 2, and most people know this, you know, this has kind of been in a lot of songs. We, we sing it. People have taught on it. This is, this is the birth of Christ. Everybody knows this. But in Luke 2, 8, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. It means that word right there means that it illuminated to where you could see no darkness. It means that it was nighttime, and then all of a sudden it's day. Boom! And that was God himself coming to earth. And it says here, And they were greatly afraid, talking about the shepherds. And the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. He didn't say, I'm doing this for Israel. I'm doing this for one person. No, he said to all people. And you, know what, you want to know why that that was true? It's because he didn't go to King Herod. He didn't show up in King Herod's court and say, oh, Jesus is coming. He showed up to a bunch of shepherds. The common man. The below the blue collar worker kind of person. They were the ones that were in the field. They didn't even have a house. They slept on the ground with their sheep. And he came and he told them because he said, I don't want just the rich to know about it. I don't want the affluent to know about it. I want the common man because this is for everyone. All people this is for. And I'm going to start from the bottom up. I'm going to let everybody know from the bottom up. 
Do you know how awesome that is? It means that there is no influence in the kingdom. That I can't give enough money in order to get God to love me. I can't say enough prayers. I can't do enough in order for God to love me because He does. Do you know how much God loves you? So much He showed up and He was excited about it. Ah! I mean, it was that awesome. You know what? In... And I'm going to continue here in verse 11. It says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. So I don't know, maybe everybody knows this. It was kind of a revelation to me years ago. But the word Christ is really the, the Christos. It, it's a derivative of a Greek, Greek word that was taken from the word Messiah. So Christ is Messiah. So, you know, sometimes I know with younger people, you might be going, well, what's the difference between Messiah and Christ? No, it's the same exact thing. So it says here in verse 12, and it says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothing, lying in a manger. And suddenly, this means spontaneously without warning. It says, there were a multitude of of angels and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and this is so important. And most of the time we just go, oh yeah, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. See, this right here was a war chant. This was the bodies of heaven. This wasn't an angelic choir. Hallelujah. It was none of that. This was the armies of heaven coming and marching into the realm of reality, into our five senses. And they stood around about these shepherds and they chanted like a war chant. And it was glory to God in the highest. And peace, goodwill towards men. God was saying, the war is over. I no longer will fight with you if you'll no longer fight with me. You know, you can take all the swipes you want to. You can cuss God all you want to. It ain't hurting him and he ain't coming after you. You know, if God wanted to get you, he'd already got you. And he doesn't want to. Because at that very moment, he signed a peace treaty with Jesus Christ that says there is no longer any more conflict. Not on my side. You know, the greater always cuts covenant with the the lesser. I've said this many, many times. There's no reason to cut covenant with someone unless you're wanting something from them, right? Well, God did the opposite. God said, I didn't need any of you. And I cut covenant with you and you didn't even ask. Jesus came and he made a satisfactory offering saying that the war is over, that we no longer have any condemnation in Christ Jesus, that we no longer have curses put upon us by God 
If you're disobedient, you don't you know what you get from being disobedient? You get the normal stuff that happens to you from being disobedient. Do you know that when Israel was disobedient, they had all the normal stuff that happened to them, like the consequences? How many people have had consequences in your life? Everybody's had consequences. Do you know that that wasn't put to you on by God? That was just because this is the way the world works. You go and you be mean to somebody, they're going to be mean back. You go and you break the law, you're going to have to pay a fine. You go and you do something that is out of the realm of possibilities. You know, if I go jump off this building, the, the most I'm going to get is I'm going to die. The least is I'm probably going to break something. Well, does that mean God's mad at me? No. It means I was too stupid not to jump off the building. Do you see what I'm saying? We no longer are cursed because what's happened is, is that we have put a mentality of cursing into each and every one of our hearts. Well, if I do something, then God's going to get me. You know what? That's not true. You're going to get yourself. Now, there is a judgment coming. There will be a day of judgment and a day of reckoning where the people who accept Jesus, they go to heaven. And the people who don't, they're going to go to hell. That's just the way it is. Sorry. But God on earth is not trying to put hell on you. That means that every man has this opportunity to have tidings of good joy and to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they can live the best life that they can live. Do you know that the more life that I've lived through Jesus Christ, the better and better my life has gotten? I have better relationships. I have better opportunities. I have better family. I have better everything. And you know what? My, my outlook on life is better. See, God came and said, hey, I'm not going to put this extra thing on you. The war's over. So now, don't go and complicate your life. You know, one of the things Jesus came for, and I'm closing with this. You know, Jesus was our advocate He's our comforter and he's our intercessor. You know that he came to, to, to stay the war so that there is no longer a war between you and God. If you're fighting God, guess what? You're beating at the wind because God's not going to stand there. He's not going to come back at you. In 1 John, it tells us what Jesus came to do though. 1 John 2, it says, My little children, these things I've written to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation uh, to completely satisfy is what propitiation means. It means that he completely satisfied the Father about your account. So he completely satisfied the Father over our sins and not for ours only, but for the whole world. 
It means that if the world decides that they want to come to Jesus, they can have an advocate with the Father. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, from whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever things that I have said unto you. You know why this is important, guys? It's because in our lives, we constantly war internally. We worry about things. I want you to understand, worry is nothing but words. It's not a gun. It's not a knife. It's not a bomb. It is the number one way that we war against ourselves and against God. The war is over. And God's just trying to get us to stop fighting. You know, I wish I could come up here and just say that, well, this is... This doesn't affect Christians, but this affects Christians. You can believe in God all day long and you can still war within yourself over all of the things that God said, don't worry about. Philippians chapter 4, it says that we should have peace that passeth all understanding. That it's in our hearts, our belief system, in our mind. You know that if the war is truly over for you, then you'll just let things go. You know, I I teach this and then I I think about the people and I don't understand this. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't understand it. And I'm not making fun of people. I'm not trying to, to tell them they're wrong or whatever. Well, yeah, I am. They're they're wrong. But what I'm saying about this is is that I understand feelings are feelings. It's an emotional outburst. And emotions will supersede truth most of the time. I don't understand how people go, Christmas is the worst time of year for me because it makes me the most sad. And yes, I've heard people that said, well, I had, a, I had a spouse that died or I had a child that died or, or we no longer get together as a family or we no longer have, you know, communication between me and whomever. And, you know, I want to say to those people, you are loved. You know, I can't change how Heather feels about me. I'm about 99% sure she loves me, okay? She's hanging out, right? But let me just ask you a question. If Heather said tomorrow, I'm leaving you and I don't love you anymore and I don't want to have nothing to do with you, how can I change that? I can't. Because, see, love is a hundred hundred. See, if I strive for like, then I have to go, well, do we like the same things? And do we get into the same, you know, areas of hobbies and all that kind of stuff? But, see, sometimes I've got to love people through things. 
And they've got to love me back in order to reciprocate. I said this the other day in Matthew. It says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's like a basket. I'm pressing it down. I'm making sure I can get as much into this. I'm getting 100% into this basket. Press down, shaking so I can get more in the bottom. Running over. Oh, I heap some more. Can I get my arms around it so I can just put more on top? Shall men give unto your bosom, give unto your heart? This has nothing to do with your chest area. This has to do with your heart. You know that most people believe things about you or you believe things about them that are just untrue. I have a a particular person that I'm not going to say their name because everybody in here would know them just about. But you know that there are times where there are people who will say, I believe that you think of me this way. And I go, you would be absolutely aghast to think about how little I actually have thought about you. And when I do, I'm not thinking of you that way. Not because I'm not able to think about you, but I've got other things. I don't let this person rent space in my head, but they let their head be used to rent space that is wrong. Their advertisements are saying, Dusty's thinking bad things about me all the time. Do you know that most of the time people aren't thinking about you? I'm just going to be honest with you. We typically think of ourselves as the center of the universe. Do you know that love is 100-100? And I need to be able to put up. I need to be able to put my press down, shaking together, running over into your heart, so that you believe that I'm actually thinking good things about you. But I also need, in for in order for you to take that, you have to do the same thing, because it says the measure that you meet shall be measured unto you again. What if? What if my family left me? What if everything went wrong? You know what? I'm going to go find other people. Number one, I'm going to go. I'm going to go find God. But then I'm going to have relationships. I'm going to have opportunities with people so that I can love on them and they can love on me. And that Christmas can be the best time that I've ever had. See, too often we're holding on to things that we don't have. And that gives no place for you to be able to put in your basket and press down and shake it together and give unto someone else. The war is over, guys. Quit waging it right here between your ears. The war is over. Can I get everybody to say the war is over? Don't listen to the lies. Satan's trying to divide you. 
It's just like what Jesus told of Peter. He said, he's trying to sift you like wheat. He's trying to divide you. And see, right here in our head, we can sit there and for the next three or four weeks, we can come up with all the reasons why we didn't have and and we didn't do and and those people aren't in my life and they don't really care about me and, and, and you can keep going on and on and on. But I got news for you. If you need a place for Christmas to come and eat, if you need to come to uh, the Cookies Communion and Carols, you can come to my house afterwards. You can eat dinner with us. It's an invitation. You can have a family for Christmas. You know what's going to happen? Is that if you did this more often where you didn't think about the things that you lost, but the things you're gaining, then you will have the best Christmas that you could ever have. Because Jesus came to be our advocate and to be our intercessor and to bring us into a place to where we have relationship with God now. That we are no longer bound by those things that are cursing us. God himself is continually pouring out. Will you let him? Will you let him press down and shake together and run over? Because I got news for you guys. When God runs over, it goes beyond the basket and it just continues to fill. And God is so powerful that He can make it just come in waves and waves and waves. And way you've never seen it before. I've seen so many good things in my life. I've seen so many good things in my life. It outweighs any bad things. I've seen so many good things. The war is over in my life. I no longer am fighting against those things. I am telling you, you can have the best. You can be the best. God has given you everything. Are you willing to let Him let go and let God? The war is over. Everybody bow your heads. You know, I've got people watching online. I've got people that are on, on, my, on my podcast. And I don't know whether they're saved, but I'm going to give them the opportunity because in order for you to be able to have the war over, you have to accept the peace treaty. You have to accept the thing that was being given in order for you to have the covenant so that you no longer have to worry about that and you have an advocate with the Father. So if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm just talking to you people that are out there, maybe you're on live stream or or you're listening to my podcast and no matter when this was, I just pray right now and I want you to follow my prayer. And everybody here, because it's good for you to say this too, I want you to say this with me. Father God, I need Jesus. I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. I now am in the family of God. 
And now I have an advocate with you, Father. Holy Spirit, seal my heart. Help me to have good beliefs. Bring back to my remembrance the things that I need to know. In Jesus' name. If you said that very just simple prayer, then you accepted Jesus. Because all it says in Romans 10, 9, 10 is that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you just said, Jesus, I believe that you're Lord. Then you are in the family of God. I'm going to pray for us all and then I'm going to dismiss us. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you, dear Lord, that you are touching the hearts and the minds of the people that are here, that the war is over, that they're no longer fighting in their minds against something that they can't change, but you are giving them new thoughts and new directions, Father, to go in. I pray in Jesus' name that this is the greatest Christmas that the people that are listening to my voice will ever have. And I thank you that it's just going to continue to be greater every single year after. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, that family members are being reconciled back to you and back to their families. I thank you in Jesus' name that people that that have had issues at work, that you're bringing them back together. But Father, if it doesn't happen, I pray in Jesus' name that you just create in them a new heart and a new mind to go forth and to find those people that you're bringing them together to family with, Father. And we just thank you for it. We thank you for this great and awesome time that we've had in the Lord, in you, Father. I thank you for a great week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down in the front. Amen.